for joining us today at A View Beyond the Ordinary. I'm your host, Jolene Lenz. I interview some courageous souls who share their extraordinary story with the goal of helping us pursue our bliss. Let's get started and tune in. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. And today's guest is somebody that I had the pleasure of speaking with over a year ago on her podcast. This is Shara Cohen that we have in the house today. And Shara is all the way, when I say in the house, she is all the way in the Netherlands. So thank you, Shara, for joining us in the podcast of You Beyond the Ordinary. Welcome. Thank you, Jolene. So I'm very happy to be here. It's lovely to see you again. So great to see you. And I thought I might just have you start, if you don't mind, sharing a bit with the listeners about you and your background. Okay. So my background is very long. (laughs) I've had many stories. I say to people, I've had nine lives, but I'm basically a yoga teacher, yoga therapist, Ayurvedic wellness educator, and I coach in mental health and trauma work, basically. So now I do workshops and I work. So me and Jolene were just talking before and we were talking about how we're working pretty much part time at the moment. And I'm really happy because at the same time, I work with psychological and mental health, emotional health um, in one area. And then I work in community centers and sports schools where I just teach yoga classes to people with all sorts of abilities and ages. So it's very varied and that's very fulfilling for me because I'm one of these like Uh, knowledge centipedes. I love to gather knowledge about the body, about the mind, about emotions. And then if I don't have enough challenges and um, difficult cases, I get a bit bored (laughs) or I start to doubt myself and have these imposter syndromes like, oh, I'm doing this again. They must have learned everything by now, you know? So I like when things are very difficult. So I I appreciate hard, challenging cases. Good for you, Cher. I was going to say, what a story too. And I'm so glad you're there helping individuals. So, and one of the things I wanted to share, I should say one of the items that I noticed that you have done recently is you just published a book Mm -hmm. and I saw the write-up come out. I saw your email announcing it and I love it's, you call it row reclaiming Mm -hmm. our well-being. So Mm -hmm. can you share to what led you to write this book and it had to have been, it had to have taken some time to create, to create it, I should say, because it looks huge. It's a big book. (laughs) Yeah. I I can't explain how huge it is. I mean, it's 330 pages, but that doesn't say anything. So yeah, what led to the book was a kind of, there was a peak moment where I had burnout And at the same time, I was going through perimenopause, but I didn't know it yet. So like the hormones go crazy. It's like going through puberty backwards. Um, But you're at this age where you have you're in the middle of your career and everything's upside down and I'm a single mom. So there's lots going on. Um, Yeah. And I've been practicing yoga since I was 15. I used to have anxiety and depression. So with the yoga at that age, all of a sudden I was kind of roller coaster. No, I was coasting through life. Before that, it was a roller coaster, my emotions, my mental states. Um, I had a lot of social anxiety. But then through the yoga, I could regulate myself. And then when I hit pregnancy, which was when I was 35, 
I started having hay fever and allergies. So I used, I started to study Ayurveda and that helped me to get through that. And I've always done mindfulness since I was a kid. That really helped a lot too. But at this point, nothing helped. You know, this burnout is very crazy. Like you hear people struggling and you, I'm working with a lot of people with burnout in the psychology. And it's, it's very hard because people feel they have no grip on anything. And at the same time, they're completely empty. Mentally, they're full, but physically and emotionally, they're empty. So it's like this huge chasm. And then if you add to that a kind of puberty going in reverse, it's, it's chaos. So basically, I had to study emotions and I had to study um, hormones and understand hormones. And it's only when I brought all this together with the yoga and the Ayurveda and the meditation and journaling that I could actually move out of this deep um, space. It was really like an abyss. I really felt I was drowning and it was a long time. Like I was in that for about two years. So it was very hard. And then the book, I've been wanting to write a book about emotions since I was a mother because I realized emotions, yeah, they're very important and you 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 throw them out in any which way and, and it can have wonderful effects. I mean, we can be passionate, we can be inspired, we can be uh, brilliant, and but we can also be very... Uh, um, furious and dangerous towards others, especially those we loved and especially those like children. And I had come from a background of much emotional turmoil. We have in my family, depression, uh, suicide, bipolar, addiction. So I grew up with that in, in, in the family. So I really wanted to understand it from a long time. And this was the push. <laughs> this burnout was the push. And yeah, so I had to write it down in a way that was sensical and that people could really use it because I hate books that don't have indexes. <laughs> so the book's got an index like you want to know about anger. Okay, you can find out just about anger. So I really wanted to write it in a also scientific way. That's why I had to study the hormones and that you can understand how does a belief or how does a feeling affect your body and become an illness or make you so tired that you can't get out of bed even though you know you should or all those other things that come along with these different difficult states that people find themselves in yeah so the whole book it basically is called um like the subtitles yoga psychology for emotional development and purpose through ayurveda chakras and goddesses so i've added the goddess in there because her stories are usually very emotional like she goes through these emotional challenges and but it, the, the emotion what i found out through my study and through being the guinea pig basically um is the emotions push you to search they're the motivators they're the ones who instigate the change same like a witch or a, a goddess she's always instigating change she's not bad but for sure she's not predictable <laughs> and you have to go through the darkness to come out into the light and be that bigger self. So that's basically what it's about. Oh my gosh. Well, I have to say, I just ordered it everybody. And I can't <laughs> wait to especially see the part on the goddesses. I did notice that mm. I wanted to also share one of the reviews you've, you have received. It mm -hmm. says reclaiming our well-being is infused with intelligence 
passion, and hope. Shira provides a wealth of insight and practical techniques to increase connection towards our body's innate wisdom, directing us towards a more realized and embodied self. So in in reading that too and hearing you talk a little bit about you know the three components that affect impact our body um you know body mind spirit just having all of that work in and in integrating our beliefs can can affect our bodies can you talk a little bit deeper about emotions how do emotions really affect our health because i read a book by joe dispensa are you familiar with him by mm-hmm. chance Mm-hmm. There's a part I, from him in the book because he explains oh, wow. um, the cascade of emotions and how they affect the thing. So, yeah. So, did you want to finish your question? Yeah. Oh, no, I was going to say emotion. I know I took a quote from your website, which I love. Emotions are energy in motion. Move with them and we activate inherent healing, growth, and transformation. Mm-hmm. How does how do emotions from your experience really how do they impact us? Well, you have to see emotions as a, a cascade of hormones, but also a charge of energy. And so in the book also, I've I've made these spectrums of emotions. So you have anger, but you have shame also at the other end of the spectrum. And in the middle, you have confidence, enthusiasm, radiance. You have these lovely, juicy emotions. And so you can see where you are on this spectrum and through that spectrum, you can do different practices, whether they are yoga practices or journaling or even activities with family and friends or by yourself, which will regulate you and bring you back to those emotions you want, because either you're deficient, you have too much fire or you have too little fire when we're talking about the fire emotions. So anger, shame, arrogance, but confidence, um, joy, for example. And then you have the water elements, uh, emotions, which are much more like if you don't have water, if you have very dried up kind of sense of self, the juice of yourself. So in Ayurveda, we actually call emotions juice, rasa. It's the juice of the body. And if you study emotions, like if you study in scientific Western science, um, emotions, it actually releases hormones and those hormones pulse through the body for, for up to three days, starting from within hours, but lasting for up to three days. So that's why if your cells are constantly flooded with certain emotions, um, these hormones are con- constantly released in your body. And you know that every cell has receptors for every hormone, but if you always produce certain hormones, certain receptors become much more receptive and bigger and much more. So your cells are more honed to those hormones, whereas the other hormones, which are the opposite, which you don't obviously make a lot of because you have this mood, which is an extension of a, an emotional state, um, then the receptors are not as open and they actually wither. So the same uh, theory from physiology, which is use it or lose it, you apply to everything, whether that's mental thoughts or physical experiences, biological processes, it's always use it or lose it. So these cells start to, um, the receptors on the cells wither that don't get nourished by these certain hormones because each receptor can only accept that hormone. Each cell has every receptor and each body can make every hormone 
But if you're not doing those kinds of activities or you always lead a life which is severe and serious, the hormones for joy are going to wither, you know, and, and therefore the cells on uh, receptors also start to wither. And you, that's why it's much more difficult to feel those emotions that you want. And that's why I think right now people are so, so much in this um, catatonic kind of state because um, we're dampening every kind of hormone receptor except for dopamine where we want our likes and everything on social media and we're just trying to get the quick fixes of satisfaction but they're not these deep fixes of of endorphins serotonin uh, vasopressin like when you make love i mean how often do you now see people kissing passionately on the street nearly never i mean everyone's losing their passion you know and that's where these beautiful juicy hormones that help us connect and it's when we connect oxytocin vasopressin uh lact lactonin which is for lactation but men also make these hormones women also have testosterone we have more than 74 different hormones and and even krill have these hormones so it's really fascinating to realize krill feel love they have hormones for and, and cell receptors for oxytocin so if you think a fish doesn't feel or understand you're totally deluded <laughs> Oh my God! Feeling, and and feeling. If you look at feeling and and emotions, so they're, they're two different things. Feeling is input. Emotion is to emote. It's the action, the the putting it back, the expressing into the world. So you feel things. Someone does something, or you think something, and you feel. It's an internal experience. But then you have to emote it. And when people don't emote, and this is proven by Gabba Mate, he's written a book about this, When the Body Says No. So I've also discussed some of this in my book. And that's why people get chronic illnesses because they suppress this energetic and hormonal charge again and again and again. And if you do it for 10, 20, 30 years, the, the, the cells start to misalign, you know, and they're not communicating with each other because the feeling and the charge is coming into the cell, but it's not expressed. So it doesn't flow through. So it's like you're building up this charge of, of an emotion and any emotion can be positive or negative. Like I think anger is a very positive emotion if you channel it and use it. My book was anger about, <laughs> about people being emotionally illiterate and not understanding that you can use your emotions, ride the the wave because you know when you feel something when you feel anger there's this huge charge of energy and if you could just channel it into some project or something or or say the right words you can change a situation but when we don't when we suppress it it becomes an illness so in, in Gabamato's work he actually talks about all the different people he worked with in palliative and over the years he saw a pattern if there was a suppression of sadness then people would uh, develop cancer. If there was a, a suppression of anger, they would develop MS. So different, yeah. And this was very, I mean, he's working with hundreds and hundreds of people. So you see a pattern after a while. And it's, it's been proven, like he's not the only one who's written about this, but. I recently, I just heard of him, just to let you know, he was not somebody I was familiar with until recently. In fact, I just uh, purchased his book, The Myth of the the Myth of Normal. Normal. Yes, I want to get it. I haven't gotten it yet, but yeah, he I love his work. 
He's really great. So when somebody comes to you and mm -hmm. they have an illness, I'm sure you work, do you work with individuals in those cases too, where one-on-one -on -one, somebody comes to you, it sounds like you mentioned that, and they have a, let's say it's a chronic illness. Mm -hmm. How do you, is one of the steps that you really work with them on is to figure out how to help them emote that emotion? Is that one of the, the steps in the healing process? There's many, things. There's many things I ask. So because I'm from background of yoga therapy, we look at the person in five different bodies and you have the physical body, which is your uh, earth body. You can see, it, you can feel it, the five senses, you can experience it. Then you have your energetic body, which is where the emotions kind of move through. It's also your physiology, your breath affects your physiology, It breath and movement affects uh, your emotions and the hormonal state. So that's why that's really important. Um, and if you think about Ayurveda and yoga, when it's therapeutic, we always use the breath as one of the main things to change someone's state, whichever direction that is. And that's why I've worked with deficient and, and excess in the book, throughout the book and emotions, because you need to figure out, is there an excess of this energy or a deficiency? And then you can find the balance. So yes, we look at that. And then we also look at the mental body, which is not just thoughts in your head. You have, like, if you think about, if you touch your knee and you've had an injury there, there's a thought associated to your knee. So the body mind is not disconnected. And that's why uh, psychosomatic illness occurs because the body doesn't know the difference between thoughts and psychological threats and traumas and the real thing. like. I gave a good example yesterday in a workshop was they've done studies on people who would think and mentally feel or experience themselves playing tennis, like hitting a backhand again and again and again. And after three months or three weeks, I can't remember how long, they actually saw the muscle mass in that arm was bigger than the other side. And that's just by thinking you were hitting that ball. So that's how deep the connection of the body mind is. You so I was just going to say on that note, you've probably seen some amazing, miraculous stories happen. Yes, yes, yes. Like we had one woman, um, she came to the clinic where I used to work in Berlin and she had an accident. Uh, she had to have her arm amputated, but she wasn't ready yet. Like she'd fallen off a building and it was so badly damaged and the, the operation went terrible that she would have to amputate it. But when she came into the, the clinic, it was stone cold, the whole arm, all the way up to the shoulder. And what we would do is massage it, get her to breathe. We would bring her into different positions. We'd be sometimes four of us working on her. And then the life, it would start to get color again. It would start to pulse. You would feel the warmth and that would last one or two days. And so we just did that several times a week for about two months until she was psychologically ready to lose that arm. Of course, she couldn't keep the arm, but at least she would prepare herself to be losing that limb rather than that be a, a life trauma too. So yes, we, you see things like that. And also just, like I said, for myself, I work with a lot of people who also have allergies and things like that. And sometimes it's very simple things or people who have anxiety their whole life and then you just say, oh, why don't you try breathing like this and maybe eating in the morning rather than drinking a coffee? Sometimes it's a very simple thing and they get rid of their anxiety that they've been struggling with for 30 years, you know, and 
it's sometimes it's just those simple things because you're connecting the dots between many different bodies those five bodies so after the mental body you have a psychological body which is your values and identity and then you have the soulful body or whatever you think the core is of yourself you know the thing that is beyond thinking and um feeling your actual essence so you work with all those bodies you see the imbalances in each body and then you use emotions because what are the emotions that are coming up and then you know which element is deficient or excessive in them incredible yeah the the work that you have done to get to this level too it shows that you have really applied yourself to learning all about all facets of healing and and the various components you just listed how many years, I was going to say, have you been at this? I know you said you began yoga at 15, but it sounds like this has been a lifelong journey for you. Um, to be really honest, I hate doctors. <laughs> and when I was 12, I started smoking. I was a very naughty child. And um, I used to have to go to the doctor all the time because I got tonsillitis. And he never once asked me, do you smoke or do you eat certain foods? You know, he never connected it to that. And he just gave me antibiotics every time, every month I was on antibiotics. And each time I was looking at the things. So I studied a lot of science in high school and chemistry. So I was very curious in that sense. And I saw he was just giving me higher doses and then different ones. And then after I'd get to the end of that, possibility and he'd give me the same one but again higher doses so after two years I was like I don't want this anymore I want them taken out these tonsils and he was like well that's dangerous so I said okay I'm not going to come back and I just started studying my mom's books she had a lot of these um she had the vitamin bible so I used that and I started to heal myself and I started to study herbs at a very early age and um how to feed yourself properly, nourishment and, and nutrition and see food as the medicine. So that's the Hippocratic oath is let food be your medicine and medicine be your food. And that's basically what it is. It's that. And then movement is actually food for the, the physiology. And then uh, having conversations and social connections with people is food for the mind and our psychology. And then you need to have some devotion and awe in life for food for the soul. And I think that's why there's a lot of confusion, the gender confusion and all these identity crises and climate crisis. I'm, you know, I was gonna study environmental chemistry. I was already not gonna drive a car. I've never eaten meat and all these things at a very early age, but I don't agree with this kind of activism of climates activists you know it's it's going to an extreme and it's making people fearful and kind of hopeless basically which doesn't help us change the situation we find ourselves in as a species we need to be much more calm and 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 honest like there is still plenty of hope (laughs) but we need to do the work and we just have to sacrifice certain things ourselves and not have it forced upon us by governments and all these controlling kind of um institutions that they are now creating. I so agree with you, Shira. On that note, I was going to say, you look at what the lockdowns, this is going off to another area, but it's a topic that so many of us were impacted with the last few years with COVID and and then being in a lockdown scenario and then continuously hearing fear uh, projected, you know, from the, from news of, 
with people dying and all the different issues. And I know we're going down a little bit different path here, but that really leads to what you're just talking about. It leads to fear. And when we get in that state of fear and anxiety, our hormones don't, what you just said, they, they're not operating correctly. And if we don't keep ourselves calm, uh, everything is cascading. So yeah. Can you expand on what do we do in groups when you see this, if you were advising just the average citizen right now, who's afraid and they're still maybe wearing a mask or, or whatnot to protect themselves, what kind of advice would you, would you offer? First of all, um, I'm not going to give any medical or scientific, um, advice, but I will say that, um, the fear was the worst thing that happened to us. It's, it's triggered so many negative uh, hormonal cascades. And as well, the lockdowns were disastrous because social connection helps us to regulate ourselves. You know, we co-regulate, we're a social species. So it should have been physical distancing and it was called social distancing and this went into the subconscious of most people and people are still taking that distance like I notice even with friends and people I used to see weekly or more often I don't see them maybe once a month or once every three months I see them and they live just around the corner that's really it's really gone in very deep and so we're not regulating ourselves we're not co-regulating which just makes our uh, nervous system more wired to the freeze fight flight kind of hormones and that's what's causing more polarization more fear so it becomes like this um vicious circle and then of course our body is hyper vigilant our mind is hyper vigilant and everything can be fearful and anything can trigger us and we're overwhelmed you can see i hear it from everyone like kids old people Um, there's a lot of exhaustion, just everyone looks like they're burnt out. I'm working a lot with young, uh, older teenagers and young, young adults, and they're also struggling. Like there's close to burnout for everyone, just because this is, it's been so negative for us to be locked up and to be afraid of each other. You know, even if we didn't get the vaccine, then we were told we were granny killers, this kind of thing. The persecution of the unvaccinated is really disgusting. I think it's like World War II, where we were putting away people or segregating certain people. It's it's like an apartheid that has happened. And I think we need to have conversations about this. I teach weekly workshops in the psychotherapy practice where I work. And I talk about this and people are so relieved every time I open the conversation because everyone knows there's something going wrong. There's something not being spoken and the censorship when it's just even media censoring themselves. And I was telling Jolene that I've been thrown off LinkedIn because I talked about um, there might be a correlation between vaccination and excess deaths. I was thrown off LinkedIn straight away and I would have to give my passport Um, copy before I could be let back on. So this kind of censorship affects how we think. People start to censor their mind. They start to censor their thoughts. They start to censor that maybe they're going insane and we don't want to think that. So we just stop thinking about these things. It's better than admitting that there's something really wrong (laughs) going on right now. You know, I was going to say, I think what I have felt too is 
it, this is a time now our intuition is so important. Mm-hmm. We really have to trust our own inner being to guide us. Yeah. So I don't believe there's a right or wrong. And I'm certainly open to those that whatever decision they make. But I think the key oh. there is, is the choice that we have the, the choice to make a decision for what is best for us. So intuitively yeah. for me, it didn't feel like the right choice. And, and then looking at how others have, how it's impacted others has made me really stop to reflect how important right now it is for us to communicate like right now, having this conversation we are so that we can continue to at least dialogue about this important topic and, and have the freedom to make those choices. I I can't tell you how grateful I am that we still have that kind of freedom. If we don't, we're living in a completely different world. And I don't want to be a part of part of a a society where we are dictated to. So I'm glad. Thank you for for sharing that and speaking up, Sharon. I I applaud you for having the courage to to speak up in your community. And I think all of us right now, I'm feeling guided is is having smaller communities yes. and really getting back to the way things used to be back in the day when we would meet, like you just said, we'd meet and spend that time one-on-one with individuals after work, visiting, mm-hmm. gardening. I yeah. think um, one of the things I wanted to make sure I, I shared on this podcast with you is and I know you know our our health is so important, and we are so much more powerful than we've been led to believe. I believe our bodies can heal given the right nutrients. And you just said it: our food is our greatest medicine. And then when we have the right well, type, I think of- it is also the relationships we have, and that's that's one thing. Like you just said it before: is the body is naturally inherent to heal and when i did this study like i went into the the dna trying to understand the dna of life the dna of life you look at any cell it splits splits and splits divides 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 but then it starts to organize it organizes all these cells which were first just stem cells and then they become intelligent by organizing organizing into a spine and a nervous system and then the brain and then the heart and then the brain pushes the heart inside to protect it from being destroyed and then the heart turns from a little first it's like a fish heart then it becomes like a frog heart and then it becomes a turtle heart and then slowly it becomes into the intricate heart of a human and and this is all life is about division but then organization cooperation working together finding ways that work and if it doesn't work we'll find another way there's always this inherent intelligence to want to work together and i think that is the biggest food that we need right now is each other and is the connection and to, to be honest, like you said, and come back to our intuition, whatever that is for us at any moment. I agree. So thank you for sharing that. I was just going to say too, if you had one, you know, one lasting message for the audience too, of, of how they could be, how their body could thrive, their well-being overall from what you have learned in your journey, what would you share? Live fully. Don't. Don't be afraid to be yourself, whatever that is in any moment. And usually that means we have to go through a difficult trajectory. Like if you feel anger, you can't express it wonderfully the first time. So for me to 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 write this book, like you asked me and I never answered, it took me four years. <laughs> you know, it was a long process. But in the end, now I can express my anger in a beautiful way. Like my daughter makes me angry and instead of getting angry, I'll... 
I'll turn it into a very like provocative joke, you know, and then we can both laugh about it, but I still got the point across, you know, so this is, and then you live more fully and you're uplifting your child at the same time, showing her that, okay, I don't need to shout at you just because you're an asshole. Sorry for swear. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Great. Great illustration. So Shira too, I love live fully. How few of us actually really do that and fully express our emotion. I am learning to do that and be, it, it takes incredible vulnerability to be authentic and speak your truth and do it in a way that's healthy. So one of the questions, one more question I have for you is, do you offer webinars, workshops, for individuals, and I know, especially since we're here in the States, a lot of my audience, not all of them, but do you, how does that work? How can we reach out to you and, and, and work with you? Yeah, I would do one-on-ones when it's um, online because I Great. don't, yeah, I don't like to do online too much. I really like doing in person, but yeah, if it's online, if it's through the, the screen, then it's one-on-one. So I will make sure... Yeah, through my website. I, I was just going to say that I will make sure we share your website information in the in the show notes, everybody. So if you're more interested at in learning uh, about her book as well, finding out how you can reach out to Shira, please, you know, visit my website and I will share that information. So thank you for sharing your journey. And I know we only touched on just a few pieces of this book. So maybe we could have just another series after I've actually read the full book to really (laughs) expand on it, Shira. So let's, let's look at doing that down the road. If you're open to that. I'm totally open to that. And thank you so much for this uh, opportunity. I'm really, really happy to see you again. And, and thank you everyone, all the listeners. I really hope that uh, any of this was uh, meaningful or uplifting or inspiring or gave you insight to your own life and situation. And may you be blessed. Cheers, everybody. Thank you all for joining us in this journey today. We are so grateful that you're here. And if you would like to connect to one of the guests, I always share their information in the show notes on my website which is jolenelens.com. That's J-O-L-I-N-E-L-E-N-Z. And don't forget to also subscribe to the podcast. I'd certainly appreciate that. And I'm wishing you all much joy and fulfillment in your path ahead. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.